Welcome to Friendship with God with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Today's message and previous messages can be listened to or downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also obtain free resources from Tom Cantor and view our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org or call us at 800-247-3051, 800-247-3051. Tom Cantor also has a daily devotional verse that comes out each day by email and on Facebook. To receive this small daily devotional verse that Tom Cantor puts out, you can sign up at friendshipwithgod.org friendshipwithgod.org or find Tom Cantor on Facebook by searching for Tom Cantor and Friendship with God. Now here is our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor. Let's pray to God. We do, Lord, take it a great honor and a privilege to be able to pray to you. We thank you, Lord, that you have opened your ear to us. We thank you, Lord, for your great desire, your desire to see sinful men saved to see them restored to what Adam lost and to see them in your house forever. We thank you, Lord, for the goodwill of him that dwelt in the bush. In Jesus' name, amen. Uh, Yes, Genesis chapter 22 now, if you just follow along here. And as we look here, and and, and, uh, okay, let's take the part here. We'll start off at verse three. Abraham rose early in the morning and saddled his ass and took two of his young men with him and Isaac his son and clave the wood for the burnt offering and rose up and went unto the place of which God had told him. Then on the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes, saw the place afar off, and Abraham said unto his young men, Abide ye here with the ass, and I and the lad will go yonder and worship and come again to you. Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering, laid it upon Isaac his son, took the fire in his hand and a knife, and they went both of them together. And Isaac spake unto Abraham his father, and he said, My father, and he said, Here am I, my son. And he said, Behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And Abraham said, My son, God will provide himself a lamb for a burnt offering. So they went both of them together. And they came to the place which God had told them of, and Abraham built an altar there, laid the wood in order, bound Isaac his son, laid him on the altar upon the wood, and Abraham stretched forth his hand and took the knife to slay his son. And the angel of the Lord called unto him out of heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, Here am I. And he said, Lay not thine hand upon thy lad, neither do thou anything unto him. For now I know that thou fearest God, seeing that thou hast not withheld thy son, thine only son, from me. Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered him up for a burnt offering in the stead of his son. And Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh, for as it is said to this day, in the mount of the Lord it shall be seen. Okay, now, in our last study, we were studying, and particularly, they were focused in on verse 7. That's such an important verse, where it, where it says that Isaac spake unto his father and said in these words, my father. And he said, here am I, my son. And he said, behold the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? So there's really two important take-home points as we look at verse 7 that we want to come away with. And the first one is Isaac's question where where Isaac said, but where is the lamb 
for a burnt offering? That's really, if you think about this, like a lingering question that Isaac asked. And Isaac asked that question, and as he's standing there, I want you to think of Isaac as really standing there and representing the vast majority of the Jewish people. See, all the seed of the Jewish people was passed from Abraham to Isaac. And so Isaac, as that single Jewish person there at that time, who all the Jewish people would spring out of, he now speaks as a representative for all the Jewish people. And he asks in verse 7 a, a question which is so sobering. It's a question which is so serious. It's a question which is so profound. And it's the, it's the most sobering, profound, serious question that's ever faced of the Jewish people. Where's the lamb for a burnt offering? So really, we look at verse 7, and we see that Isaac's question is a fundamental question. Isaac, at this point, he stands there, he asks this question. He's asking this question that every Jewish person has to ask himself. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And God will ask every Jewish person that same question. But where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And the answer that every person will give will determine their eternal destiny of either heaven or hell. There's just, and, and then there's no greater issue in life than that. There's no greater issue in life for any person, a Jewish person or any person, other than where will your eternal destiny be? And it all depends on the answer to Isaac's question. Where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Will a person have an eternal home in heaven or an eternal state of lostness and suffering in hell? It all depends. It all comes down. It crystallizes down to the answer to Isaac's fundamental question. Where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Now, looking at Isaac's fundamental question, what is the word? You tell me. What is the word just before lamb? What is it? Huh? No, I didn't get it right. (laughs) What is the word just before the word lamb? Duh. Okay, right, we got it. It's like, duh, right? Duh. <laughs> okay, duh. <laughs> That's a very important qualifier there. It's a very important word. It's very important to note this in Isaac's fundamental question, that he didn't say, where is a lamb for a burnt offering? But his fundamental question is, where is the lamb for a burnt offering? And God just doesn't have any lamb for a burnt offering. God has his the lamb for a burnt offering, and God's the lamb for a burnt offering is, of course, the Lord Jesus Christ. That's who he is. And Moses made this clear to the Jewish people when he told them that the lamb that they should be looking for was going to be a prophet. And he said that in Deuteronomy 18.15 when he said, the Lord thy God will raise up unto thee a prophet from the midst of thee, of thy brethren, like unto me, Unto him you shall hearken. So Moses makes it very clear that the lamb is going to be a prophet who is going to be like Moses. Moses is described in Numbers 12.3 as that now the man Moses was very meek above the men, above all the men which were upon the face of the earth. So we understand from Numbers 12.3 that Moses was in, a, in his person a very meek person. And that's the Lord Jesus Christ. There's not many verses where he talks about his person, the Lord Jesus Christ. But there is one in, in Matthew eleven twenty nine when he does say, take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am meek 
and lowly in heart, and then you'll find rest unto your souls. Moses was the lawgiver, and when Moses spoke, he spoke with authority. It was very dangerous to defy the word of Moses, as, as Miriam learned when she became a leprous as a result of that, because he spoke with authority. When Moses spoke, God spoke. When God spoke, Moses spoke. And that was the same with the Lord Jesus Christ. When God spoke, the Lord Jesus Christ spoke. When the Lord Jesus Christ spoke, God spoke. And even his enemies, his very enemies came back and they said in Matthew 7, 29, for he taught them as one having authority and not as the scribes. Now Moses said that the lamb would be a prophet who would be raised up from among them. He says, of thy brethren, among the Jewish people, of thy brethren. And even his enemies said this about him in, in Matthew 13, 55, when they were talking about him and they said, is not this the carpenter's son? Is not his mother called Mary? And his brethren, James and Joseph and Simon and Judas. In other words, when they were looking at him, they say, he's just one of us. He's of us. In other words, and the prophet Isaiah, when he introduced the lamb in the, as the Lord Jesus Christ in Isaiah 53, 3, he described him as being despised and rejected of man, a man of sorrows, as you know, acquainted with grief, and that we hid, as it were, our faces from him, and we esteemed him not. Just two days ago, last Friday, uh, Dr. Mark Rasmussen, who's the vice president of West Coast Baptist College, he went out for an afternoon I don't know if you thought it was going to be a pleasant afternoon, but anyways, he went out for an afternoon with our summer blitz team of the Bible school students who are reaching the Orthodox Jewish people in Brooklyn. And, and uh, he sent me a, a little movie, a, a little you know, video of the places where he was, and he said it looked like Jerusalem to him, you know. <laughs> and so it was, he's out there on Friday. He's texting me in real time what's going on as he's going door to door, and he's discovering just how much the Lord Jesus Christ is rejected and despised of men. So I got the text message at seven minutes after noon. He, he, he texted me. He said, I just got screamed at, <laughs> not in my neighborhood. <laughs> and then it only took an hour and a half later for him to text me. And, 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 and so he's been out there for an hour and a half. And he says, I was yelled at more times today than I've been yelled at in five years. <laughs> so he's despised and rejected still. The Lord Jesus is. The prophet Isaiah, he introduces the lamb in Isaiah 53, 4, and 5 as describes him as the one who surely bears our griefs, carries our sorrows. And even though we did, and we looked at him, we said, boy, this person is stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But the reality is in verse 5 that he was wounded for our transgressions and bruised for our iniquities, and the punishment, the chastisement for our peace was on him, and the result is with his stripes were healed. He's the lamb in, in, in verse 6 of Isaiah 53, described as the one who the Lord hath laid on him, the iniquity of us all. He's the lamb described in verse 8 as described as, for the transgression of my people was he stricken. He's described in verse 10 as the one who had pleased the Lord to bruise him. He put him to grief so that we could make his soul our offering for sin. He's described in verse 11 of Isaiah 53 as the one who God the Father would see the travail of his soul and be satisfied. And then he says that by his knowledge, his righteous servant would justify many. 
And then he says how he would do it. He would bear their iniquities. He's described in verse 12 as the one who poured out his soul unto death, being numbered with the transgressors, and he bore the sin of many, and he made this intercession, marvelous intercession for the transgressors. So what we see in all this is how essential the word is the, that word the, the, in, in, in Isaac's fundamental question when he says, well, where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Not a lamb, but where is the lamb? And that word the is just as essential in John the Baptist's proclamation of who the Lord Jesus Christ was because what's happened here is that John the Baptist gives the fundamental answer to Isaac's fundamental question of where is the lamb when in John one twenty nine John the Baptist says, the next day John seeth Jesus coming unto him and saith, behold the lamb of God which taketh away the sin of the world. So just as Isaiah didn't ask I mean, sorry, just as Isaac didn't ask, where is a lamb for a burnt offering, John the Baptist didn't see Jesus says, behold, a lamb, which takes away the sin of the world. He's not a lamb, which takes away the sin of the world. The Lord Jesus Christ said, the lamb, which takes away the sin of the world. And that links those two words, that links to Isaac's fundamental question, the word the. So this word the is, is in Isaac's fundamental question, was proclaimed by Peter and John in the book of Acts to the Jewish people in Acts 4, 10 through 12, when, he, when they said, be it known unto you all and to all the people of Israel, that means to all the Jewish people, that by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified and God raised from the dead, even by them does this man there stand before you. This is the stone which was set at naught of you builders, they said, which has become the head of the corner. Neither is there salvation in any other, for there's none other name given under heaven, uh, under heaven given among men whereby we must be saved. So when John and Peter said that there was salvation from sin in no other other than the Lord Jesus Christ, they're using the same, the same word concept of the the lamb that Isaac and John the Baptist had used. The Lord Jesus Christ said, the lamb of God. He's the salvation of God. And so Peter and John, they say he was given. In other words, they said that the lamb was given. The name of the lamb was given among men. And Moses said to the, the words, the lamb, he said, the Lord thy God shall raise up unto thee. In other words, God's gonna give to you a prophet like unto me. So they're all emphasizing this concept of the would be given, the lamb would be given and as a, from heaven as a gift. And that was what Isaiah was emphasizing in, in, in Isaiah 9, 6 through 7, when it said, for unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given, and, and the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name is going to be called Wonderful Counselor, the Mighty God, the Everlasting Father, the Prince of Peace, of the increase of his government, and peace, there shall be no end. And upon the throne of David and upon his kingdom to order it and establish it with judgment and with justice from henceforth, even forever, the zeal of the Lord of hosts will perform this. So Isaiah, he's emphasizing that the lamb is gonna be given or sent from heaven as the son that was given. And that whole concept of given, of sent, that's the whole core meaning behind the word Messiah. That's the whole core meaning behind the word Christ. He is the lamb that was sent. He is the lamb that was given. 
As it says in, in John 3.13, no man's ascended up to heaven, but he that came down from heaven. That's the concept of the Messiah or the Christ. Came down even as the son of man who, which was in heaven. And in John 6.38, for I came down from heaven, not to do mine own will, but the will of him that sent me. So these words, sent me, he's describing himself as the Messiah, as the sent one, as the Christ. John 6, 51, I am the living bread which came down from heaven. If any man eat of this bread, he'll live forever. And the bread that I will give to you is my flesh, which I'll give for the life of the world. The lamb is the Messiah. The lamb is the sent one from heaven. So the qualifier of thee as the lamb here in Isaac's fundamental question, this is what Paul was emphasizing when he uses the word one in Romans 5. It's a theme there in Romans 5, and he describes the Lord Jesus Christ as one when he says in Romans 5.15, but not as the offense, so also is the free gift. For if through the offense of one, that's Adam, many be dead, much more by the grace of God and the gift of of by grace, which is by one man, Jesus Christ hath abounded unto many. And in Romans 5, 19, he says, for as by one man's disobedience, many were made sinners, that's Adam, so by the obedience of one shall many be made righteous. See, God only has one gift. He has one gift of grace. He has one gift of man for eternal life. It's described in 2 Corinthians 9, 15, when he says, thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gift. He didn't say thanks be unto God for his unspeakable gifts, but his unspeakable gift. He doesn't thank God for the plural, but the singular, one gift, all wrapped up in the Lord Jesus Christ. And John, he, he emphasizes this when he says in 1 John 5, 11 through 12. See, when you look at 1 John 5, 11 through 12, it's all an issue of the, it's all an issue of one, when he says, and this is the record, this is the whole sum of the record he's trying to say here, God hath given to us eternal life, and this gift is in his Son. He that hath the Son hath life, and he that hath not the Son of God hath not life. It's just that simple. The word the in Isaac's fundamental question is brought out, brought out in all these places is describing the Lord Jesus Christ And it's also the concept behind describing him as the only begotten in John 1.14 when it says, the word was made flesh, dwelt among us, we beheld his glory as of the only, the glory as of the only begotten of the Father, full of grace and truth. In John 1.18, no man hath seen God at any time, the only begotten Son, Hath seen, which is in the Buddhism of the Father, he, he hath declared him. And of course, the most famous verse in the Bible of John 3.16, for God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. And then he goes on in the two verses down from there in John 3.18, he that believeth not is condemned, but he that, be, sorry, he that believeth on him is not condemned, uh, for he that believeth not is condemned already because he hath not believed in the name of the only begotten Son of God. So it's all this, Paul, this great emphasis here, which is brought out 
by the word the. And Paul's emphasizing the word the in Isaac's fundamental question in 1 Timothy 2.15 or 2.5 when he said, there is one God and one mediator between God and man, the man, Christ Jesus. Next, okay, now I'm going to ask you another question. So you look at the fundamental question again. This will be an easy one for you. I think it'll be easier than the last one. (laughs) What is the first word in Isaac's fundamental? This may not be easy, actually. What is the first word in Isaac's fundamental question? Uh, uh, Isaac's fundamental question. Well, no, okay, it's not behold. <laughs> That's right. Okay. Oh, I, 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 I can't get it to you. So, okay. okay. Forget my question. I'll just tell you. <laughs> First word is the word but. Okay, sorry. Uh, I keep trying to lead you into these things. I don't know why I do this. But anyway, so <laughs> it's the middle of the word. Okay, what can I do? Three letters starts with a B, ends with a T. <laughs> All right, the first word, but, okay, this word, but, (laughs) is very important because what this word emphasizes is the essential tragedy, the essential tragic road that the majority take when confronted with Isaac's fundamental question, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? So this word, but, it shows the tragedy of many people is that they try and avoid Isaac's fundamental question by giving other answers. You know, well, I don't have the lamb for a burnt offering, but I was circumcised. I mean, I don't have the lamb for a burnt offering, but I went to Hebrew school. I don't have the lamb for a burnt offering, but I was bar mitzvahed. I don't have the lamb for a burnt offering, but I attended Rosh Hashanah and Yom Kippur high holiday services at synagogue, and I didn't cheat. I fasted on Yom Kippur. I can't say that. <laughs> I don't have the lamb for a burnt offering, but I said Kaddish every year for my dead parents. I don't have the lamb for a burnt offering, but I kept kosher. I don't have the lamb for a burnt offering, but I pray twice a day. I daven twice a day. I don't have a lamb for a burnt offering, but I keep Sabbath. I don't have a lamb for a burnt offering. I memorized the Torah. I don't have a lamb for a burnt offering, but I became a rabbi and a cantor. See, many people have to work to become a cantor. I was born one, but anyway. So, you know, and, and God will say to them, that's religion. And I didn't ask you for religion. I didn't ask you if you're religious. I asked you Isaac's fundamental question, where's your lamb for a burnt offering? So the word but here is very important in his fundamental question because it shows this tragic deception of ignoring the lamb and instead focusing on religion. It was this just tragic deception that the Lord Jesus Christ warned about in Matthew 7, 21 through 23, when he said, not everyone that saith unto me, Lord, Lord, shall enter into the kingdom of heaven, but he that doeth the will of my Father which is in heaven. Many will say to me in that day, Lord, have we not prophesied in thy name? What's wrong with that? And in thy name have cast out devils. What's wrong with that? And in thy name have done many wonderful works. And then... Well, I profess unto them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work iniquity. How is that working iniquity? How is prophesying in Jesus' name working iniquity? How is casting out devils in Jesus' name working iniquity? How is doing many wonderful works in in, in Jesus' name, how is that working iniquity? Well, it's brought out by the word but in Isaac's fundamental question because when he's asking, when God's asking, where's your lamb? 
and instead you substitute all these wonderful works when a person does that, that's iniquity. Where is the lamb for a burnt offering and instead substituting religion? And, and that's why the word but is so important because it shows the tragedy of the many who ignore God's fundamental question, which is Isaac's fundamental question here, and focus on doing many wonderful works in Jesus' name. And Isaac's fundamental question that God's going to ask every man is, where is your lamb? Where is the, where is the, your, the lamb for your burnt offering? It's the focus of God. And so that's why the word but is showing the tragedy there. Moses' words to Israel at the first Passover night, they still hold true today when he said in Exodus 12, 3, speak ye unto all the congregation of Israel, saying in the 10th day of this month, that they shall take to them every man. In this case, it was a lamb. At the Passover, it was every man a lamb. But the point is, every man. And now God's saying, every man the lamb. Every man the lamb of God. Every man the lamb of God, which takes away the sins of every man. Another wonderful day studying the Bible with our Bible teacher, Tom Cantor, here on Friendship with God. Don't forget that today's message and previous messages can be listened and downloaded for free at friendshipwithgod.org, friendshipwithgod.org. You can also go online to find free resources from Tom Cantor and our online bookstore at friendshipwithgod.org. You can also find Tom Cantor on Facebook, and you can also go to friendshipwithgod.org to sign up for his daily devotional verse. Now, Tom Cantor is also the founder of Israel Restoration Ministries. You can visit that website at israelrestoration.org, or you can write Tom Cantor at P.O. Box 711-330, P.O. Box 711-330, Santee, California. That's S-A-N-T-E-E, Santee, California, 92071. Or you can email Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Tom Cantor at friendshipwithgod.org. Or for more information about Tom Cantor and Friendship with God and Israel Restoration Ministries, call us at 800 247 3051.